Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you enjoy it. So maybe just picture this. You've just done a 10-mile hike. It's 90 degrees. Perhaps you're out in the desert somewhere. You've not had a thing to drink. And stumbling with thirst, you come to your father's house. And he says to you, uh, drink. Drink, my son. Drink, my daughter. My well is full. And he says, drink more. Drink even more. So you take a few sips and you put it down. And you decline to drink more. Even though there's more already in the glass and more in the jug. Because you don't really want to impose on his generosity. And then you leave and you're still a bit thirsty. And he, he's just a bit hurt and a bit disappointed. And so you ask yourself, why did you do that? Why did you only take a few sips when you were thirsty? Why do you do that spiritually? Ask yourself, why do you do that spiritually? Why do you only take a few sips when in fact you need to drink the whole glass and more and more and even more? Because the Father wants you to experience the fullness of life. I cannot get away from John 10.10 10 at the moment. I cannot get away from it. The thief, the enemy, Satan, he comes to kill and steal and destroy And he'll even do things like that to disrupt the message. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. So here's your choice. You can either face and walk in this direction and allow the enemy to kill and steal and destroy your life, or you can walk in this direction, in the life of fullness, in the life of even more. It really is a choice. What a choice. So why, why would we as a church, why would we do that? Why would we take a few sips and then go, that's enough? We wouldn't, would we? No, Ron, we would No, Ron, we wouldn't. But if it's only my wife who responds, it really doesn't count. <laughs> you know, why would we do that? Individually, corporately. Why would you taste the goodness of God and then stop. What? What? What are we doing? Why would we do that? It doesn't make sense. Uh, And today's text, Barney, nearly there. Today's text, I hope we'll uh, show you how you can experience the fullness of God. And when we finish, I hope that you'll be drinking even more. I hope that as a church, we will drink even more. You know, really thankful for what God has done. If you're here week by week, you'll hear testimony of people, of what God is doing in people's lives. And we are incredibly thankful for what God has done. But I'm even more thankful for what's ahead, what the future holds, what he's going to do today, now, in this moment with you, and what he'll do this week, and what he'll do in the weeks and months to come. 
And so today we want to talk a little bit about vision. You know, what's, our, what's our destination? Where are we heading towards? What's, what's the picture of our preferred future? What are we being shaped into? What are we being transformed uh, into? What are we being transformed into? And that seems like a really good time to, uh, to ask the kids over here. Hey, guys. I know I didn't really tell you it was interactive, but a uh, little question for you guys who are just painting down the side here. Can any of you tell me what the vision of this church is? Any of you tell me what... Do not help. Any of you tell me what the vision of this church is? Gigantic. I like that. Any other thoughts? Gigantic. Noah, that's excellent. Gigantic. I'll have to have a word with the families and children's pastors. They don't seem to know the vision of the church. Hang on a second. Oh, young people. Let's have a look. Young people, can you tell us what the vision of this church is? Do not help. No, you are not young. The youth pastors. I'm young. No. Don't cheat. Should I say it? Yes. Radically transforming lives with the power and love of Jesus. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Thank you. <laughs> Who can tell me what the vision of this church is? Okay, so kids, pastors, you've got some work to do. Youth pastors, they're stepping up a bit, but the, the lead pastor, oh, that was a great response, wasn't it? Hey, he's doing a good job. <clears throat> yeah, radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. You know, and I believe, I believe that radical transformation is possible, not because I've got a load of strength or because I've got this great tactic or this strategy, but because there's radical power available to you here and now, this very moment. You talked about walking in the footsteps of, of Jesus and being in the presence of God. Right now, we are in the presence of God. Right now, for those of you who have put your trust and your hope in Jesus, where is God right now? Where is he? Thank you, Carl. He's right here. He's right. He's made his home in your body. This is the temple of the living God. <clears throat> so because God is with us there is so much potential so much possibility about what lies ahead and because God is with us we are experiencing his blessing and his favour in ways that I've not seen in an Anglican church if you didn't know we're in an Anglican church but in ways in an Anglican church like I've never seen before by the end of this year, some 70 to 80 people will have come to faith in Jesus Christ through the work of this church. This is not your average church because God is here. And we must keep our eyes fixed on him. We must only do what we see the Father doing. We could do a whole load of things which could be good, which would be fun, which may even be right. But we need to do the things that God is asking us to do. Not to carry on doing the things that we've always done. Not to look to the past, but to look to the future. What God is doing now and tomorrow and the week after. And we must keep our eyes 
fixed on him. So God is already fulfilling our vision in loads of different ways. Lives are being radically transformed. Where's Tina? Tina around? No, she's gone out to, she's gone out to collect from Costco. Uh, so Tina gave her life to Jesus, um, I don't know, maybe about a year ago, and now we're seeing her friends come to faith. Uh, we haven't got Michaela in, have we? Michaela's not here. Michaela gave her life to Jesus about a year ago. Uh, a few weeks ago, her mum came to faith. We're seeing, yeah. We're seeing incredible things happening. In our community lunch, we prayed for a young girl called Ellie who'd been involved in a horrific accident here. And we declared God's healing. And, uh, and her, gran- her grandma has come back to faith. Her cousin is exploring a relationship with Jesus because of what God is doing through this church. In our recovery group, we have up to 16, 18 people attending our recovery group. Chains of addiction are being broken off in the name of Jesus. Our food bank, our community work goes from strength to strength. Our relationship with the business partners here is incredible. Tesco's stopped someone from stealing from their shop and instead of turning him over to the police, what did they do? They said, mate, you need to go to St. Saviour's Church right now. Yeah, I know, it's it's hysterical, isn't it? You need to go to St. Saviour's where they will sort your life out, basically, is what he said. And that man we pray is on the road to recovery. And yet, And yet God is saying that there's even more, right? Even more. When they made this church back in 86, not 1986 for you millennials, 1886, what do you think he said to them as they built it? Imagine the effort it would have taken to build a church like this. Do you think he said, guys, girls, do a bit for the kingdom, will you? Do you think he said, do much for the kingdom? Or do you think he said, do even more for the kingdom? A, B, or C? C. Who wants to do even more for the kingdom of God? Thank you. God does. God does. And he wants to do it through you, with you. You are people of the more. But he wants to make you a people of the even more. And this preacher get an amen for that. (laughs) Since I've been to America, you guys probably think I've turned into some Pentecostal. But don't worry, there's still a little Anglican inside of me. Barney. It's time for your Bible reading, Barney. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Come and join me. Yeah, no, no, it's no false starts now. Seriously, oh, hang on a second, no. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your, in your being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted 
and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep in the love is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all that is the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for stepping in. Okay, uh, any of you read the book called The Prayer of Jabez? It became, a, yeah, yeah, it became a bit of a bestseller a few years ago. Uh, it showed Christians that God wants them to pray boldly for the blessings that he wants to give more of. Yeah, that kind of encapsulates the, the book a little bit. Uh, pray that prayer. If you haven't got it, maybe borrow it from one of these lovely people. Pray that prayer. Keep praying it. But if you want to pray for even more, then pray the prayer that Barney just read to us. Pray that prayer and experience the greatest of blessings. You know, I pray that you will be enriched by the Father. We could just stop there, couldn't we? I pray that you, Tracy, will be enriched by the Father. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may. What a beautiful panoramic view of the Christian life just in those few short words. Here we are. You've inherited a new position with Christ in the heavenly places. That's where your future is secured, in the heavenly places. Along with all the rights, all the riches, and all the spiritual resources that will go with it, as Felma Porter is experiencing the fullness right now. You know, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have to have gone through a metamorphosis. You have to have gone through a change, a transformation. You know, you have already been radically transformed into this new being with awesome spiritual power and authority. That's who you are and what you have, period, full stop. There's no argument about that. Did you know that? Do you believe that? And there's no reason why you shouldn't be experiencing the fullness of all that. Did you know that? And do you believe that? Maybe not, I sense. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to feel this vital intimacy with Jesus Christ? Wouldn't you like your life to be characterized by Christ-likeness? Wouldn't you like God to be using you in this awesome way, in this gigantic way, to use Noah's word? in your family, in your street, in your community, at your workplace, at college, in school. And that if, if indeed Jesus, the Father, the Spirit, has made you a new person with a new position, with new power, with new privileges and new possessions, then there is no reason to live like the old you, is there? There is no reason 
to live like the old you. The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. But I, says Jesus, have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. If God has transformed you from a caterpillar into a butterfly, why crawl when you can fly? If God has given you living water, then why not drink even more? No reason that you shouldn't. It's for this reason that Paul prays for believers. He wants them to be full, full of God, full of all of his blessings. And he wants it so much that he kneels before the Father, presents the position on his knees. Paul loves the believers. He wants them to experience the joy of God. And, and I want that for you too. And you're thinking, Ron, say it with a bit more conviction. I want that for you too. Paul loves his church. Ron loves his church. Remember, this is my happy face. This is it. This is as happy as you get me. But I love you guys. Was that my wife who said, I love you too? Oh, okay. My, my mum? Is that my brother? My kids? No. Thank you, Maria. I often weep, though. I often weep for this church. You how much you grieve the Holy Spirit for how much you are not walking in the fullness of God quite a bold prayer. Maybe you want to just open up your Bibles. Have a look. Ephesians 3. If you've got a church Bible, it's 1174. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. As I continue to talk, why don't you read through it? Why don't you pray it? You know, asking God to give according to his riches. The NIV translates it as out of his riches, but it's asking God to give according to to his riches. You know, if you're, if you're wealthy, let's say that we've got a millionaire. Have we got any millionaires in today? I'd like to talk to you about our building project. Um, but if a millionaire gives, you know, 50 quid or 100 quid, you know, simply giving out of his or her wealth, but to give 50,000 pounds or 100,000 pounds will be to give according to his wealth. And the greater a person's wealth, the greater his gift must be to qualify for giving according to his wealth. For God to give according to the riches of his glory is mind-boggling, staggering, because his riches are limitless. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, his riches are completely without bounds. 
So pray. Pray for God's riches to be poured out into your life. But don't stop there. Pray for even more. Pray for even more. Pray that you will be enriched by the Father so that you'll be empowered by the Spirit. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And there we have the essence and the core of the Spirit's work today and the Spirit at work in you, making known the personal presence of God in your life. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes in order that we can gaze on Jesus Christ. If you've not done that yet, if you're not gazing upon Jesus Christ, then we're going to pray for you after the service as we come to a close. I want you to experience the fullness of God. You will only experience the fullness of God with a life lived with Jesus Christ, full of the Spirit. Pray that you will be enriched by the Father. Pray that you will be empowered by the Spirit so that you will be indwelt by the Son. If it is true that Jesus inhabits the life of every Christian, is that true for you? Let me just take a second to check. Is Jesus fully in control right now? I don't think Jesus feels at home in a lot of Christians' lives. Sometimes we resist, sometimes we build up a wall to stop Jesus from coming into certain parts of our life. You know, we, we lock doors to certain chambers. We don't want him poking in there. You know, when people visit our home, when people come to the vicarage, I don't mind them taking a tour so much, um, but I don't want them going into my bedroom. I don't really want you guys snooping through my drawers either. You know, I tell them to feel at home, but, but I don't give them the house. You know, I wonder if we've actually signed over the ownership of our lives to Jesus. I wonder if that's true for you today. Part of the reason why I don't really want you guys looking through my drawers is I think you'll think less of me. And it's a bit like that with Jesus. Sometimes I think we, we keep things just hidden and locked because actually we just think, <laughs> he's going to think a little, sorry, <clears throat> I've gone somewhere else. Sometimes we don't let him have parts of our lives let alone even more of our lives. I wonder what it is. Just ask yourself, what is it you haven't signed over to him yet? Which part of your life are you keeping for yourself? Are you clinging on to? Well, you don't fully trust him to be the God who he says he is. You know, it's a pure act of faith to surrender every sphere of our existence to him. You know, when you trust him with your illness, with your loneliness, with your anxiety, with your cancer, with your addictions. It's an act of faith. It's an act of faith to surrender every part of this church's vision and mission to him. We're doing that today. We're surrendering it to him. And he's saying to us, there's even more. There's even more. It's only faith 
that lets you know that Jesus loves you unconditionally. It's only then that you will trust him with your whole life and love him appropriately. Ezra, do you remember what we said we could do with your gun? He's all right, it's cool, don't worry. I asked Ezra to shoot everyone who came into the building with the Holy Spirit. Did you feel it as you came in? Then I asked him to shoot everyone whilst I was speaking with the Holy Spirit so you'd hear what I had to say. And I asked him to shoot everyone again on the way out because you need to be filled with the Spirit again as you go from this place. If we truly knew Christ better, we would draw closer to him. We would experience deep intimacy. We would experience life in all its fullness. When you get a a personalized grasp on how much God loves you, then you will entrust your whole life to him. No holds barred. You will draw near to him and you will experience intimacy like you've never experienced before. And you will enjoy the fullness of Christ's presence in the life. Guess what? You will have even more. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit www.stsaviourssummary.org.uk.